When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Joined for my weekly uh, chat with Seth Engel of the Daily Collegian and the Post-Gazette about Penn State football, all things Penn State football, maybe a little bit of hoop. Um, another somewhat busy week of news, Seth. The big, the big story being the hiring of Tom Allen as defensive coordinator, the former Indiana coach. Uh, Penn State fans should be fa- fairly familiar with his work. The man who presided over that infamous 2020 upset in Bloomington um, has put together some some pretty solid units. Um, you and I did a podcast last week saying running down the candidates and saying who makes the most sense. I think Tom Allen was was the number one guy on your list. So um, now that that the move is all but official, what is your um, what is what's your reaction to James Franklin's hiring here? Yeah. So the board of trustees subcommittee on compensation just met. Um, a few minutes ago. Um, so they, you know, approved his contract without saying his name. Um, so there should be official word, um, you know, any moment now from Penn State that Tom Allen will be the next defensive coordinator of Penn State, um, which is, you know, as we talked about last week, one of the most, I think, attractive assistant coaching jobs in the country. Um, this is a job that, you know, the past two guys have gone on to be head coaches at the level. Um, and Tom Allen now is maybe a guy who's had his, his career as a head coach. He's a little older um, than Pry and, and Diaz um, when they brought them in. And maybe this is a guy, if it works out, maybe he sticks around long term. Um, but I think it's a good hire. You know, you check off that box of the guy with head coaching experience. Um, but, you know, there are some questions about, you know, his system and uh, competency as, as a pure defensive coordinator. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that a little bit. Do you think the familiarity with, you know, as, as being a, the, a former coach in the division preparing every year to face a Manny Diaz defense, um, do you think that, that there's there's things to be learned from that, that, that he can glean and and kind of keep that train moving a little bit and and build on the things that, that Manny Diaz, you know, the foundation he had kind of built rather than start, you know, from scratch? Or as a former head coach, is he going to want to come in here and do it his way? Yeah, well, you know, Tom Allen's he's got his, uh, you know, his Leo kind of persona thing, um, which is really, I think, ties into Penn State's ideology of, you know, loving each other. And um, I feel like that aspect is going to be able to transition pretty nicely. Um, And the fact that he's a head coach, you know, it's a different um, demeanor that you're going to get from a guy who's, you know, maybe been an assistant for his whole life. Um, rather than a guy who's, you know, he's seen what it's like, not just as any head coach, but one at the Big Ten level, you know, or in Manny Diaz's case at the ACC le- or yeah, at the ACC level. Um, you know, I think it'll be an easy transition. Um, they run a similar defense. They run the 4-3. They don't have to change anything up. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think will be able to come in and, um, you know, maybe re-recruit the team in a way. I don't think people are really still – thinking about entering the portal after Diaz left, but, you know, 
to kind of bring them back and say, okay, like I'm going to, you know, bring the same type of energy that the last guy had. Um, and I think that's, I think that's good. What are some, you mentioned that there are some questions. What are some of the questions you have about, you know, his ability to, to replicate what, what Manny Diaz did? Because I think that's, it's kind of essential. It's, it's, you know, Penn State's identity isn't, you know, a top 30 defense, top 20 defense. It's, it's top 10, sometimes top five defense. And that's, you know, that's a high expectation for any defensive coordinator that's coming in. Penn State's had good luck. Um, so what, what are, you know, some of the possible downsides here in, in your eyes? Yeah, well, James Franklin said on Friday that he wanted to bring someone in that, you know, he was confident would be able to come in with the number one defense in the country and not be overwhelmed by that. Um, and I don't think Tom Allen will be overwhelmed, but never in his life has he had a defense even remotely in the same category. Um, like with Andy Kotelnicki, you kind of look at the stats and, and what he was able to do with Kansas, and they were, you know, in the upper echelon and in a ton of in a ton of categories, doing so at at a program with um, you know limited resources. Um, with Tom Allen, you know, this is a guy who has experience leading a defense. Um, he was defensive coordinator at um, at Indiana in 2016, and then took control of the defense while being head coach in 2017, 2018. Um, took a break for a couple of years and then came back for the past three seasons. Um, but that defense has, has really, you know, sunk the past three years. Um, statistically, you know, one of the worst in the country um, this past season in Indiana, you know, last in the Big Ten this year as well. Um, so there are question marks and whether he's able to, you know, kind of make it work and make it happen, you know, without a head coaching title. Seth, do you have any fear that you know Penn State has two coordinator openings this year, ends up going out and hiring two guys from outside of the program, passing over, you know, I think promising, um, you know, assistant coaches, position coaches, and Anthony Poindexter and um, Jawan Sider, I think, are, are the, the two that I look at as, you know, guys that, that could maybe be coordinators elsewhere, maybe think that they've earned their, their shot here in Happy Valley, uh, do you worry about, at all about Penn State becoming getting a reputation as, as kind of a dead end if you are one of those promising position coaches who recruits well, you know, turns out solid NFL caliber players every year, um, or or do you think that that you know this is this just goes with the territory of being Penn State when you can pick a lot of different guys uh, and you can get the top coaching talent in the country to come here that that this is just so, somewhat the nature of the beast. Yeah, Jaywan Sider was asked about that. Um, you know, a couple days ago, um, you know, and he's talked about it before too, where, you know, the head coaching um, hopes are always there. Like that's where you want to go when you're a long time assistant. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like you're not always going to want to jump ship because maybe the best job for you um, that's going to lead you to where you want to go is with Penn State and just kind of wait it out and, um you know, Poindexter has had head coaching opportunities before. Um, we saw there was some interest, you know, with Virginia a couple of years ago um, and maybe even James Madison this past year. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, um, that's kind of just the way it goes. You know, the coaching carousel is always going to always going to go. I think, you know, there are two edges to the sword where, yeah, it sucks that you know, coaches could leave and get a new job. But at the same time, it looks good for Penn State when assistant coaches um, are consistently getting head coaching jobs. Like that makes it way easier to bring in a new guy when they know that, you know, more likely than not, they're going to have a job at the end of it. 
Seth, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball as well. I know you did a story on Andy Kotelnicki, the new offensive coordinator, some guys who played with him. Um, you know, what did you learn from, from doing that story, first of all? And then we can get into some of the comments he made during his introduction at, at Penn State. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, so I talked to, you know, two NFL players, Jarrett Patterson and Tyree Jackson, um, who, you know, kind of start at Buffalo. Um, you know, Penn State guy, Penn State fans might know their names um, just from, you know, that Buffalo series um, a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the message was that this is a high energy guy who loves explosive offenses. Um, and he's basically just going to get the ball in, in their playmakers hands. Um, and he's also not afraid to switch it up. You know, he's not afraid to switch up that scheme at all. Um, depending on, on what the defensive system is that they're, you know, facing the next week. Um, and it was really interesting to kind of hear that. Um, and then also, you know, get Kotal Nicky, um, for that press conference, finally hear his voice and, see his face you know that is a it is a high energy individual um you know funny guy um it, it was kind of interesting to to hear him compare his offense to a, a dairy queen uh blizzard um so you know we'll, we'll kind of see what what comes from that but you know first impression first impression is good yeah, t take me inside that press conference a little bit more. Um, you know, what, what kind of stood out to you about other than, you know, the personality and the energy um, when, when you were listening to him speak and, and, and look forward toward, you know, what he can do in 2024 and beyond? Um, yeah, I think that the sky's kind of the limit. You know, I think the most important thing um, when, when you're talking about Kodal Nicky is the fact that he has not had the base that Penn State has. You know, he's never had the talent that Penn State has. He's been at Buffalo. He's been at Wisconsin Whitewater and he's been at Kansas um, and he's made it work everywhere he's been. Now that he's able to work with these, you know, five star recruits, like he has a five star quarterback and running back right now. Um, these highly touted players, you know, it's kind of scary maybe what he's able to do um, in that system with those pieces. Um, so that's something I'm really looking for is, you know, now that, you know, he knows that the system works, you know, how is it going to work now that he actually has, you know, some of the best players in the country? Yeah, I think that, that's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's also going to be interesting to watch him deal with, with the receiver situation because I think that's the most pressing need. Um, you know, I, I think that's a place that Mike Yersich ultimately, for lack of a better term, failed. I mean, his receiver room is is worse than when he found it. And, um, you know, I'll be interested to see how – Andy Kotel, Nikki can can address that situation. We're going to talk a little bit more about the receivers here in a minute when we get into the recruiting uh, bit of the conversation. First, though, Seth, I wanted to ask you about Olu Fashion. I know you guys got a chance to talk to him. He has not declared for the NFL draft yet. I think I've seen him as high as three, four on some draft boards. Um, I don't think there's a lot higher for his stock to climb, and yet he still does not seem to have made a decision do you what's your, what's your read on that? Is is he gone? Is is he just kind of maybe waiting till after the Peach Bowl, or do you think there's a legitimate chance he might shock everyone again and and come back for 2024? No, I think that you know Olu's as good as gone. You know, it was a surprise last year when he announced his return um, for another year because you know if you remember he was projected first rounder last year, um, and that was coming off an injury, so you knew that he he was in store for a big year. Um, you know, he, he was phenomenal um, this past year. You know, he, he basically did everything he wanted to do, um, projected top 10 pick now. Um, yeah, I just I just think that, 
you know, it would be in his best interest to pack it up. He's graduated, got his degree, um, you know, consensus All-American. There's not much more that I think he can even accomplish. Uh, but he will be traveling to the Peach Bowl. He, he did say that. Um, so he'll be making the trip. But, you know, I would not expect to see him play. And I also would not expect to see him back in 2024. Yeah, just an interesting situation because, you know, Penn State has had some guys declare, opt out, or some in some cases. Was it Theo Johnson that declared but is going to play in the Peach Bowl? Yeah, he'll, he'll be uh, participating. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Was there anyone on the on the um, you know NFL draft front that that you you're surprised we haven't heard from yet? Um, I think Tyler Warren's probably close to the top of of my list. Um, but are there any guys other guys on your radar that you're looking at and, and wondering what the decision might be? Yeah, we haven't heard from from Kalen King yet. Um, last we heard from him, I, I asked him, you know, after the Michigan State game, if he had made his mind up, um, hadn't. Um, but that's a guy you've kind of seen. You know, sometimes listed in the first round of, of mock drafts, maybe second, third round now um, after a kind of bumpy 2023. Um, but I would I would expect to see him declare as well. Um, you know, there's always a possibility. Uh, but the fact that, you know, at the open practice, um, you know, last weekend um, that he wasn't seen, um, neither was was um, who else was it? it was Kalen and Johnny Dixon wasn't there as well. Um, that's kind of telling of. Um, you know, maybe maybe where they're they're focusing in the future. Do you think we see either one of them in the Peach Bowl? I would be surprised um, if you do. You know, it's been reported that Johnny Dixon's opting out. Um, you know, we're still waiting on a word from him to make it official. Um, Kalen, haven't heard anything from. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss is looking – pretty pretty stacked and, and ready to go for uh for the bowl game yeah gonna be interesting to break that game down i think you know when we get into next week we'll be we'll be right there a few days away from the game looking forward to talking to you more about that next week um right now i want to talk about uh the the signing day early signing day is is this week penn state can start you know kind of dotting the t's crossing the i's on uh, i think i mixed that up there seth i think <laughs> Uh, but you, you guys know what I mean. Um, kind of finalizing this year's recruiting class. They're ranked number 17, I checked, on Rivals right before we started this show. That always fluctuates, so don't quote me. Uh, but it, going into the show, they were at number 17. What's your read on this this recruiting class, Seth? Um, and are you are, are there a couple guys that, that might join that, that could maybe change the tenor for you between now and, and signing day or on signing day? Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, there aren't expected to be many surprises um, as it typically goes uh, with uh, with Penn State under James Franklin. Um, you know, they they have their guys. Um, it'll be another big class and it's you know set to be the third consecutive top 15 class, um, which is, you know, a great success, especially in an era um, with, you know, mass competition across the board. Um, sometimes we don't even know how that all works with NIL and um, how these negotiations go. And we know programs are handling things differently. Um, but Penn State has really stuck to the same model under James Franklin. Um, and he, he called it um, an under-promise, over-deliver program. He's not going to promise you, you know, a starting spot. Uh, you're going to have to come in and, and, and work your butt off and, um, and, and make kind of make the most of your role. Um, so that's been the same thing, you know, in 2014. It's the same thing in, in 2024. Um, and it's working, you know. So, you know, interested to see what kind of goes on there and 
Um, it's also interesting the fact that that none of these guys decommitted, um, even even with two coaching changes. You know, they stayed strong and um, they're still set to welcome you know every every commit. Wanted to ask about the lack of an impact receiver in this group. They've got a couple, uh, you know, three-star guys in there, at least according to rivals. I don't know. They might might be four-star somewhere else. Uh, uh, but regardless, if they're four-stars, they're borderline four-stars. Um, what is your view on on where Penn State is at receiver? Because I, I think it's a concern for me, Seth, that, you know, you're you, – they don't. They have, it doesn't look like you're bringing in impact guys here. Maybe, maybe you know, Peter Gonzalez develops into a, a pretty solid guy in this offense. Maybe you know, you, you have a, a hit, you hit like you did on a Dion Butler type of situation, and and you know, that we see it all the time in college football. The star rankings don't purely determine whether a guy's going to be useful. So I don't want to presuppose anything about some of these guys coming in, but um, they're also not. There's no Marvin Harrison Jr. that you're looking at and saying that guy is going to be catching a ton of passes immediately and making the difference that this offense needs at that position going into this, you know, this following year. Um, is is that a concern for you that, that that they don't seem to be bringing in the guys that they can develop in, into that and that they're going to have to go hunting for these guys in the portal for maybe another year, next year, even if things go well in the portal this year? If you guys have guys graduate, you might have to go back. Um, to me, that's that's a big red flag for this program right now as it's looking to um, you know, compete with with the Oregons, the USC's, the Ohio State's, and the Michigan's of the world. Yeah, I mean, recruiting, especially a wide receiver, has been a bit of an issue, um, and we've seen that you know over the past couple of years. Um, and I think that comes down to you know this instability at, at the wide receiver coaching position, um, and now the instability you know at offensive coordinator. Um, kids want to know who who's going to be coaching them. Um, you know what I mean? And and last year. Um, it was a little late, you know, bringing in Hagen's um, in the offseason, you know, a bit of a surprise. And, um, you know, Penn State really wasn't able to capitalize on any of these four star receivers. Um, that being said, you know, I think they're searching for some diamonds in the rough right now. And I think there are potentially some guys there, you know, to see her Denmark um, is a guy who they were able to flip from Oregon. Um, you know, he has a number of skills and, you know, he stood out to, to James and the staff. Um, and Peter Gonzalez from, from, you know, Pittsburgh backyard, you know, from central Catholic, um, big receiver, big, lengthy, athletic, quick. Um, I spoke to him yesterday, um, and he's, you know, an extraordinary young man. Um, you know, I think he has some traits that, you know, could potentially capitalize very early, um, because he's not built like your typical freshman wide receiver. Um, and then Josiah Brown is, is the third receiver there, um, to kind of round up the group. Um, you know, he has skills and traits as well. I, I think it's just a matter of them coming in and, you know, as it was repeated all year, separating yourself from the pack. Um, that's what they've lacked, and I think that's what they have to prove early on. Do you think we see any of them this this coming season, Seth? Or do you think they can can get on the field, um, you know, just given, given that Penn State did not seem to have a, a ton of guys that have really staked to those jobs down for next year? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because it's so early. Uh, but having watched film, I mean, there's always a chance. Um, um, and, and we'll kind of see what happens with the transfer portal, too. Like you said, to be able to bring in a couple playmakers, um, you know, James Franklin's likely hoping that those playmakers maybe provide a little more than, you know, what Dante Cephas and Malik McLean did this past year. Um, but that is somewhere where you have to look. Um, and it will increase, you know, that competitiveness. Um, but, you know, the freshmen are going to try to, bring their own as well and, and also boost the competitiveness on the field. 
Um, Beth, last football question I want to ask. Were you surprised Kyle McCord went to Syracuse, that that was his choice to, to leave Ohio State for, for that program? Um, you know, I, I can't think of a lot of, you know, allegories for, for him in college fo- modern college football, kind of going from having the starting job at a, you know, a top five program to saying, I'm going to go to, to Syracuse. Um, what would you think of, of that move and how it settled out and the rumors that, you know, maybe he might be going to Nebraska, you know, not coming true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Syracuse is onto something. Um, I, I think that Fran Brown, if you really know football, um, this was a guy, you know, on my radar, um, a few years ago, you know, to potentially think, okay, maybe this is a guy who could replace Brent Pry just based on his recruiting ties, especially in the Northeast. Uh, and to bring in Elijah Robinson, who, you know, a Penn State alum, um, he was Texas A&M's interim head coach this past year and, um, you know, also their defensive line coach for, for a number of years. You know, it's it's recruiting central over there. I, I you know, I don't think anyone's really surprised that they're finding success um, recruiting in New Jersey and, um, and, and, New, and New York um, and now being able to bring in, you know, one of Philly's finest and Kyle McCord. Um, to kind of lead that first-year offense, I, I don't think it's surprising at all. Um, what I'm interested to see is how it all plays out on the field, given the fact that Fran Brown, um, you know, was only, you know, a position coach at uh, at Georgia um, and, and Elijah Robinson, you know, only a position coach um, before he became the interim HC at Texas A&M, like how that works out um, now that they're actually going to be doing some play calling and coordinating. Um, but you know, I think, I think the sky's the limit for what Syracuse is able to do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Fran Brown does there. Something to watch because Syracuse is on some of these future Penn state schedules. This, this might, you know, might be end, end up, I don't think, uh, Kyle McCord necessarily going to still be there when, when that series is, is being played, but, um, you know, can, can Syracuse build, build a little bit of momentum and, and be an interesting opponent by the time Penn state plays them? Um, you know, in, in the coming years here, Seth, I want to switch gears briefly here to basketball, um, Penn State falls at Georgia Tech at Madison Square Garden over the weekend on a phantom foul call. Nevertheless, that game was played in the 80s. I, I still have a lot of questions about this team defensively. Um, you know, I, I think they, they showed a little life in the last week, the way they played Georgia Tech and, and beating Ohio State. But there still seem to be some pretty deep flaws here to be in position to kind of get hosed like that, like they did. Yeah, that was, that was pretty brutal. Um, you know, this has been a – relatively rocky first year under Mike Rhodes. Um, you know, you had the five straight losses and then to be able to beat Ohio State late, um, I, I think that was big for momentum. And they came into MSG, you know, against another high major program um, and stormed back. You know, they they stuck around for, for you know, a while there um, and should have won. You know, that was uh, – it was a disappointing finish to kind of see a game dictated uh, more or less by – that was not, I mean, it just wasn't a foul. Um, he didn't touch him. Like it was, and, and, it, and it looked like the ref, you know, wasn't really looking um, at the play either, you know, which is, you know, it's disappointing um, for them and um, for any team to really have to go through that, especially one that's that's really trying to figure it out and, and make something out of nothing. Um, so that was kind of my takeaway from that. What do you think the the identity is that you're starting to see from this program and how it wants to win? Maybe it's not quite there in, in terms of how it can win, um, but, you know, what do you think Mike Rhodes wants to do with this team? And and especially as we look toward conference play beginning in earnest here. Yeah, I mean, I think 
it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say exactly what you want from a first-year group. Um, I think he just wants them to stick together and learn how to play together. Um, that's really all you can hope for in your first year. You know, it's I think it would be foolish to kind of think that they were going to find immediate success with, you know, 10 new guys on the roster and a new coaching staff. Um, but, you know, as you get into the later months, as you get into January and February, you know, whether these guys are able to actually come together and um, and do some good in the Big Ten uh, and, and in, in conference play, you know, that'll be big. You know, that's what I think Micah Shrewsbury's 2021 team was able to do late in the year, you know, had some sec, had some, had some success in the uh, Big Ten tournament and, um, you know, came close to Purdue at, at one point as well. Um, for that to kind of happen late in the year, um, you know, I think that was big moving forward to 2022 and, you know, ultimately to, to make the, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that's that's a big ask this year. I, I think you want to see, you know, what I, what I think you don't want to see is them kind of careening out of control, right? And and right. having like a three-win Big Ten campaign. Um, you know, if you can win six, seven, maybe eight games and, and uh, with the expanded conference schedule, you know, you, you get a lot more opportunities to do that than maybe you did five, ten years ago. Um, you know, I, I think that could be a, a solid foundation to build on. Um, the postseason, you know, even like the NIT seems like a, a little bit of a bleak outlook to me at this point, but um, I think it's going to be – hopefully this is a, a fun team to watch, right, that we at least have some things to talk about, uh, you know, going into these winter months after football is officially buried for the year. Uh, Seth, any final thoughts before we, uh, you know, begin the Peach Bowl week in earnest here next week? Uh, not really. I mean, Tom Allen became official while we were in the middle of the call. Um, so he is now the defensive coordinator at Penn State, um, you know, taking over what was, you know – maybe the most dominant defense in the country this past year. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, not sure when we'll get our first intro presser with him, um, but probably pretty soon. I, I would expect to see him at the peach bowl, not calling plays, but um, you know, on the sidelines, kind of similar to what, to what Manny did at the Outback bowl a couple of years ago. When, when you heading down to Atlanta, Seth? I will be down there the day after Christmas. So the 26th, um, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, it should be fun. Never been to Atlanta, um, but, you know, I've heard good things. And the Peach Bowl people seem great, so so it should be good. Yeah, I've, I've worked with some of the Peach Bowl. I, I believe the executive director is from Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, so really? Yeah, it's an interesting – he's done a lot of work to, to kind of build that game up and, and kind of gain New, Year, New Year's Six status when the playoffs started. Because um, right. I'm not sure the, the Peach Bowl was regarded – used to be regarded in the same way as the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but they've done such great work with that with that game down there to to you know be recognized now on that level as New Year's Six. They're still going to be involved in the playoff moving forward. So um, I think it's going to be a, a good first trip for Penn State to Atlanta. So Seth, thanks for for talking to me today. We will be back next week with a lot more Peach Bowl conversation, really digging into this matchup, who's playing, who's not, um, all of that, and and if there's anything that comes up in the next week with recruiting, um, we'll tackle all that too. So. Uh, please make your make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Please like this video if you enjoyed it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. Um, and please stay tuned for later in the week. We're going to have a lot more Steelers talk. Christopher Carter on the North Shore Drive is happening today, Wednesday, when this, uh, this video debuts. Um, I'll be back on Thursday with Paul Zeiss talking Steelers and a whole bunch of different topics. So make sure you're signed up, and we will talk to you all again real soon. Thanks, Adam. 
Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.